Welcome to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages every week. These powerful messages are sure to inspire you and keep you on track. Whether it's our late founder, Pastor Wayman Mitchell, or any of your favorite fellowship leaders worldwide, including Pastors Joe Campbell, Paul Stevens, Mark Olson, Tom Payne, Harold Warner, Richard Ruby, and many more, get ready to hear from God through this message. Amen. Amen. Thank you. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 20. To open my sermon, I'm going to piggyback on Richard Ruby, and I'd like him to come forward. Not really. What I meant was, is that I'm going to piggyback on his sermon from last night. We talked a few weeks ago, probably three weeks ago, about what we were Uh, going to be preaching at conference, and he mentioned what he was going to preach. And of course, he cared less what I was going to preach, because I'm preaching after him. Uh, But my heart sank a little bit because I had similar uh, inspiration, but I do want to go ahead with what I feel God spoke to me about and minister a sermon I've entitled, Young Leaders. And I want to challenge as Pastor Ruby, I'll probably be saying that all day long this morning, but as Pastor Ruby was saying last night, I want to underscore a challenge for youth, and I want to emphasize the need for you to begin to lead and begin to lead now. And I'm talking to youth between the ages of 13 and 30. I think that was the parameter that Pastor Ruby gave But although my definition of youth is actually whatever age I am and under. So I'm 60, I'll be 67 shortly. So if you're 67 and under, you're young. I better set my stopwatch here. There we go. Uriah Galusha Pennypacker. How's that for a name of an individual? He actually is a very notable character in American history. He is literally one of a kind. At the time, in 1860, he was appointed brigadier general by President Abraham Lincoln. He was too young to vote because he was just 20 years old. He was born in 1844. At the age of 16, He enlisted as a quartermaster sergeant in the 9th Pennsylvania Infantry. Shortly thereafter, he recruited his own company of infantry and was appointed their captain, still a teenager. Several months later, he was promoted to major after leading his men into battle and was wounded. Later, he was promoted to colonel and assumed command of the 2nd Brigade, 2nd Division of the Army of the James, and he led them into several battles, all still while a teenager. His biographer said these words, Pennypacker's greatest moment of the Civil War came in the 2nd Battle of Fort Fisher, January 15, 1865, where he was severely wounded. 
His wound was considered fatal. General Terry promised the young officer that he would receive a brevet promotion for his conduct that day. Terry called Pennypacker the real hero of Fort Fisher and remarked that without his bravery, the fort would not have been taken. He was much later awarded the Medal of Honor with a citation reading, Gallantry led the char- gallantly he led the charge uh, over a traverse, uh, planted the colors of one of, the reg- of one of his regiments thereon, and was severely wounded. He received a brevet promotion to Brigadier General on January 15, 1865. He survived his wounds 10 months uh, later in the hospital, And on April 28, 1865, he received a full promotion to Brigadier General at the age of 20. You're 20. What are you doing with you? So my sermon this morning is a challenge, as Pastor Ruby said, for youth. But more than just wanting youth to live for God and do right and live clean, I want to challenge you in the context of leadership. That right now, here's this young man, 16 years old, and he feels these impulses within his being uh, for leadership. Uh, He joins a regiment, uh, isn't satisfied, so starts recruiting uh, uh, his own men, and they appoint him commander and leader uh, uh, over them. And at this very young age, he's 16, then 17, uh, 18, 19, and then 20, uh, he is expressing uh, incredible leadership demands. to his life. My assistant pastor is here, Ernie Lopez, uh, and he commented to me on Tuesday. uh, He hasn't been to the conference here for a few years, uh, and he commented to me uh, about how amazed he was uh, that this is a young people's conference, uh, and he mentioned to me the age group between 18 and 30, and how many of you are here in your place uh, during this conference. Uh, I don't think uh, on planet Earth uh, there's a better looking group of young people uh, in all the world uh, than what is sitting right here, and as Pastor Ruby mentioned last night, you represent uh, the most incredible resource uh, that our fellowship possesses uh, right now. I want to draw your attention to uh, a great text I read recently in my devotional Bible reading, one of those texts uh, that just leapt out at me. Uh, It got on my heart, my mind uh, for a number of weeks, and I felt inspired to Uh, preach from this text to you, and I want to issue a challenge to you this morning. 1 Kings 20, verse 13. Suddenly, a prophet approached Ahab, king of Israel, saying, Thus says the Lord, have you seen this great multitude? Behold, I will deliver it into your hand today, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So Ahab said, by whom? And the prophet said, thus says the Lord, by the young leaders in the provinces. Then he said, who will set the battle in order? And he answered, you will. Then Ahab mustered the young leaders of the provinces. There were 232. And after them, he mustered all the people, all the children of Israel, 7,000. So they went out at noon. Meanwhile, Ben-Hadad and the 32 kings helping him were getting drunk at the command post. The young leaders of the provinces went out first. And Ben-Hadad sent out a patrol and they told him saying, men are coming out of Samaria. 
So he said, if they have come out for peace, take them alive. If they have come out for war, take them alive. Then these young leaders of the provinces went out of the city with the army which followed them. Let's pray. Father, help us today yet again in this great series of uh, services and messages. Lord, I pray for special grace and anointing, and I thank you for what you're doing in Jesus' name and all God's people said. I want to talk to you, first of all, about God's dependence on youth. What makes more sense is for God to use the older and the more experienced. Call in the special forces, those who have been highly trained and know their weaponry and have experience in life. You don't grow, you don't get hired as a CEO of Amazon out of college just because you got a degree in business. You have to grow, you have to develop some experience in life, work hard, and then over years, as a result, you can rise into a position get promoted and receive greater responsibility. They don't assign uh, the top graduate right out of West Point as a five-star general. They don't give command to a battleship or an aircraft carrier to a recent graduate of Annapolis. If you're going to end up as that, you've got a long road, a long way to go, and you'll probably have a lot of gray hair or no hair by the time you get to a position where you can take such a responsibility. And of course, we look at that dimension of life, and that has a good and a necessary application. With age comes wisdom, ability, and skills can be developed. And as we apply ourselves, as all of us here apply ourselves to discipleship, Remain as those who need to learn more than what we know now. I will always be a disciple needing to know more than what I know now. And as you grow, we are being stretched and enlarged and we are all being prepared for the great things that God has in our future. And there's no substitute for this. Time to grow. There's a benefit that is incalculable that experience provides us. Consider all that you have learned. If you've been married for 10 or more years or 20 or 30, consider all that you have learned about marriage, about women, about forgiveness. Consider all that you've learned about children and raising them and the wisdom that is necessary along the way. If you're a businessman, consider all that you've learned through experience that helps you in your business, relationships that we have in life. We learn so much about relationships going forward over the years, how to get along, how to reconcile, how to deal with conflict. And you can't just read about that in a book. You have to actually live it and gain experience. We learn by our failures. We learn by the factor of consequences coming as a result of the mistakes or the decisions that we make in life. And this is a necessary part of life. It was Laban who said these words, please stay 
if I have found favor in your eyes, for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. He's talking about Jacob and, and the result of blessing on his life because of his relationship with Jacob. And he only learned that through experience. So all of that being true, the Bible is a record of God reaching into the ranks of young men and women, elevating them, and then releasing them way over their heads into places of responsibility. The young, the inexperienced, the innocent, given extraordinary opportunity in life. And in a sense, when it comes to that, some of what I just said is actually violated. God chooses the young and the inexperienced to use in mighty and powerful ways, propelling them into an arena where they've never been before, asking them to do things they have never done before. David was anointed king. He's a teenager. He's a shepherd of a few sheep, the youngest and the least qualified of his seven brothers. And in 1 Samuel 16, verse 11, Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest. They're all young, but David was the youngest, probably 14, 15, 16 years old. And there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send, bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, and his brothers are probably shaking their heads. Jesse is probably wondering in amazement as they bring this little skinny teenager, and Samuel very dramatically anoints him with oil to be the following king of Israel. Send and bring him. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. God already sees a king. And this young shepherd boy, I wonder what he sees when he looks at your life this morning. Jeremiah was a great prophet. His life and his ministry require a 52-chapter book in the Bible. One of the major prophets called at a critical time in the nation's history. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And then I said, ah, Lord, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. In other words, God speaking to him in that moment was too weighty for him to comprehend. God, I'm a youth. What do you mean, nations and prophet? And, and, And what can all this possibly mean? It's another example that God is depending on youth And he's depending on youth the same way today. One commentator said that Jeremiah wouldn't have been older than 18. And shortly thereafter, in the same chapter, then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. I have this day set you over the nations, over kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to plant and to build a weighty a high calling. God is elevating him to a place he'd never been, asking him to do things that he was untrained for. God is depending on him. It is stated about Solomon. David looked at Solomon's life. 
He's about to pass from the scene. And what is going to be handed to Solomon is beyond his experience. And David even identifies him as young and inexperienced. First Chronicles 22.5, now David said, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced. And the house to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, famous, and glorious uh, throughout all countries. I will now make preparation for it. So David made abundant preparations before his death. Uh, so Solomon is about to take uh, the mantle of leadership. Uh, and part of his assignment is going to be to construct uh, uh, this incredible temple. Uh, he has no experience in building. Uh, he's not an architect. He's not a builder. Uh, and yet God elevates him. Uh, and Oz asks him to walk in these very large shoes. And again in First Chronicles 29, furthermore, David said to all the assembly, he's going to make this known. My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. That didn't keep God from choosing him, did it? And the work is great because the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. Maybe this has something to do with Solomon writing much later in his life in Ecclesiastes 12.1, remember now your creator in the days of your youth. Why? Because God has great things for your life beyond your experience. When he looks at you, he sees a king. When he looks at you, he sees a prophet. When he looks at you, he sees a temple builder. You may not think, I don't have experience. I'm not ready for that. And yet that's what God sees. And so Solomon's wisdom is, you better remember your creator in the days of your youth before the difficult and the challenging days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. This trend continues. The disciples of Jesus, all young men. One commentator said that John could have been as young as 13. He certainly would have been no older than 19 or 20 by the time that Jesus raised from the dead and was ascended back into heaven. And then we have the prophecy in Acts chapter 2. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. When are we going to start hearing that and seeing that? Your young men shall see visions. Is it not time for that scripture to be fulfilled in our midst, in our fellowship? Let me talk with you secondly about what God sees. These young leaders are going to be the source of victory in a battle. God's choice was a response to Ahab's question. Suddenly a prophet, verse 13, approached Ahab, king of Israel, saying, Thus says the Lord, have you seen all this great multitude? Behold, I will deliver it into your hand today, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So Ahab said, by whom? He doesn't know. Ahab doesn't have a clue. All he knows is they are surrounded by all of these kings and troops, probably numbering in hundreds of thousands of men. He genuinely doesn't know, but God does know. The leaders are there. They're already in place serving. They're already demonstrating leadership. They've risen above their peers. They're taking life seriously. They have developed reputation and credibility already. That's what's happening now. And that's what you young people need to be doing now. Serving in the area where you have opportunity to serve. Building credibility with God and with men. And then God can give you the opportunity that he sees you fit and qualified to step into. 
I was interested by one translation that said this, and Ahab said, by whom? And he said, thus says the Lord, by the young men, the attendants or bodyguards of the governors of the district. God notices. They're in place serving. That's what they want to do. And by doing that, they're in training for leadership. They get God's attention. These leaders of the provinces is how they are referred to. They're in training by serving in the atmosphere of opportunity that is available to them. And there's only 200 plus of them. There are no doubt thousands upon tens of thousands of youth that are doing what a lot of young people are doing, distracted, diverted. They haven't grown up yet. But these young men want to make something of their life. They want to do something with their life. And so they make themselves available for ministry. God has a ready answer for Ahab's question, by whom? So Ahab said, by whom? And he said, thus says the Lord, by the young leaders of the provinces. And then Ahab said, well, Ahab knows these young people aren't experienced in war, in battle. Who is going to set the battle in order? And the prophet said, you'll do. They still need guidance. They need direction. They need supervision. They need oversight. But it's time to turn them loose. It's time to elevate them, and under your oversight, Ahab, turn them loose to an opportunity that is here for them to go into battle and defeat an enemy. It's time to place greater responsibility into their hands to challenge them and to put them in position. Someone has to organize. Someone has to create an atmosphere where their promotion and their elevation can be realized. Someone has to lead so that the potential of these young leaders can be realized. And of course, that's the responsibility of pastors. That's the responsibility of parents to create an atmosphere where greater responsibility can be deposited into the hands of these young people. So let me ask you a question. What do you think God sees when he looks at your life? And I have to correct how some pastors and parents view you. Ah, they're irresponsible. Or they'll never amount to anything. Or they're a bunch of losers. God saw differently. In crisis here in our text, God turns his attention you're going to do. You're going to rise up. I'm going to put a sword in your hand. I'm going to put you in front of the troops and you're going to lead. Time to put down your cell phone. Get off social media. Quit playing video games for crying out loud. God saw young men who could win a great battle over an enemy that outnumbered them. He saw in these young men the potential for courage that hadn't been demonstrated yet. He saw in these young men a willingness to risk. He saw in these young men that they were submitted to their leadership. They're not a bunch of rebels. They're serving now. Ahab is going to organize them. That means that they're going to have to submit when Ahab puts the word out. I want all of you young men to come from the provinces. I need you front and center to lead the army in battle. Without question, they all came. They're submitted. They're in the provinces at this time, minding their own business. Then Ahab mustered the young leaders, verse 15, of the provinces, and there were 232. And after them, he mustered all the people and all the children of Israel 7,000. What does God see when he looks at your son or your daughter? 
What does God see when he looks at the young men and the young women in your church? When he saw Jeremiah, who knows what he was doing at the time? I don't know that. Neither do we. Do you? But he saw a mighty and a courageous prophet for the nations. When he saw David, he saw the future king of Israel. The young, the young and inexperienced Solomon became a great king and the wisest man on earth. When Jesus gathered his disciples together, fishermen, young or mid-aged teenagers uh, and others, uh, when Jesus called his disciples, uh, he saw greatness. Uh, he saw men, uh, young boys and men, upon whose shoulders uh, he could deposit uh, the challenge to take the gospel uh, into all the world, uh, and they would exhibit the faithfulness and the courage uh, that was going to be necessary. And history tells us uh, that all of them died a martyr's death except one. Mary, for all the young ladies that are here, may have been 14 or 15, when the angel of the Lord visited her, chosen to be the earthly mother of Jesus. Look at what she would endure in her life. Look at the greatness that she would achieve. And I think the greatest testimony of her life is that she was in the upper room and was among the first that got filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And it says of this young woman, this young teenager in Luke 1, and it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary in her home, that the babe leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Mary steps into the house of Elizabeth when Elizabeth is pregnant with who would become John the Baptist, and she had such a powerful dimension to her life at this young age, such a powerful presence of God, such a powerful anointing, that when she entered the home, Elizabeth and her baby got filled with the Holy Ghost. There was, a, there was, a, there was an ex spiritual experience that took place uh, when she entered the home uh, of Elizabeth. Uh, she had a powerful dimension to her life. Read sometime after this. I don't have time to quote from it. Read the Song of Mary. This is one of the most powerful uh, revelatory gushings that you'll read in all the Bible uh, as she begins to speak uh, by revelation beyond her experience, uh, beyond what she could possibly know through education, uh, even reading the Old Testament scriptures uh, in the heart of this young woman. What does God see when he looks at your life? I don't know everything, but I know some things. He sees potential beyond where you are now. Even if there's been failure. Even if you've had terrible disadvantages, you hardly meet any young people anymore that haven't come from broken homes. Uh, they've been sexually abused. Uh, they've been violated in so many ways. Uh, God doesn't see you through the lens uh, of past sin, past failure, past violation, uh, and past abuse. Uh, he sees you through the lens uh, of what he has created you to become. He sees your future. He sees something specific. And that's what you should give yourself to wanting to discover. And perhaps part of the altar call this morning will be that. Pastor Ruby mentioned in the final point of his message uh, last night about purpose. Uh, that you have a purpose as specific as David was to be king uh, and Jeremiah was to be a prophet. God has a purpose uh, for the treasure of young people that are here. You weren't born by accident. Uh, your parents didn't get saved for no reason. Part of their conversion uh, is to reach into their offspring, uh, touch your life, uh, and raise you up to become everything that God uh, has created you to become. These young leaders in the provinces, when 
God tapped them. They're not thinking about leading soldiers into battle at this time, but God is. And I wonder what God is thinking right now about you. So let's examine some lessons that we can take away. This text is an appeal and it is a challenge. And in the case of the text, it doesn't apply to everyone who is young. It only applied to 200 plus. And again, there had to have been thousands. The appeal is being made to those who will take the things of God seriously. To those who have applied themselves thus far as best they can to places of service and ministry. Young leaders. That's what caught my attention when I read this text. Not everyone will aspire to such a challenge or will put themselves in a position. I saw the altar call last night and so did you. There may have been upwards of five to eight hundred young people, maybe more, that were streaming toward this altar last night. And you could feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit as the potential of God is incubating in the hearts of these young men and women. God is saying to Ahab, listen Ahab, there is a whole bunch of young men. You may be unaware of them, but I'm not unaware of them. There's a whole bunch of young men that we can put this challenge in front of. And I wonder what challenge could God put in front of you? Verse 16, so they went out at noon. Meanwhile, Ben-Hadad and the 32 kings helping him were getting drunk at the command post. The young leaders of the province went out first. Who will be the first to the altar? Who will be the first to go home from this conference, get among your peers, and organize an outreach in a street meeting? Who will be the first to start working among your peers and challenging them to be in prayer. Hey, let's serve God. Let's get involved. We've been screwing around long enough with our destiny. Let's get serious about the things of God in our life. Who will go out first? These young men are going out first before the experienced army uh, and they're going to face a challenge like nothing they've ever experienced before. It's very risky uh, and it can be very scary uh, but these young men are going out first. Ben-Hadad's heard uh, that men are coming out of Jerusalem. Uh, They're coming out of the city and so he sent out a patrol uh, and this is what the patrol saw. He saw the army of Israel uh, led by these young leaders leaders and it freaked them out. These young leaders were an inspiring force. Verse 19, then these young leaders of the provinces went out of the city with the army which followed them. The army got behind these young leaders. They saw something. It may have been a touch of the Holy Ghost. I'm sure that was part of it. But they saw their confidence, their willingness, their level of surrender. Perhaps they saw in these young leaders attributes that they didn't have themselves. They saw a fearlessness in these young leaders, a readiness to go into battle. And this was such an inspiring dimension that the rest of the army got in behind them and allowed them to provide leadership. Verse 19, then these young leaders of the provinces went out of the city with the army which followed them, and each one killed his man. They're doing what men do. When are you going to start doing what men do? And I'm not talking about that. And each one killed his man. So the Syrians fled. It freaked them out. 
And Israel pursued them. And Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, escaped on a horse. They're running from this army of young men like a bunch of crybabies. And I wonder... Probably all of these young men on that day killed their first man, took this responsibility to lead in an army and do what soldiers in an army do. When are the young men, when are you young men going to start doing what men do in your church? So you have to respond to this. You have to allow God to get your attention this morning. You have to make a decision to go home, serve God where you are. I'm not interested in just appealing to you to live for Jesus and be a good boy, be a good girl. I'm appealing to every young person here between the age of 13 and 30 to go home now and start leading. Start doing what men and women do. Separate yourself. And from there you can wield influence. And you can be the peer pressure. And I believe there's anointing here at this altar uh, to strengthen you, to give you the courage uh, so that when you go back home uh, to all those who didn't come to conference and may be ready to mock you when you come back ready to lead, uh, that you're going to have the courage to stand up to them and start doing what men do. I forgot to ask you to put the picture of Uriah Galusha Pennypacker up, if you could do that. There he is, 20 years old, Brigadier General. To this very day, he's the youngest man in United States history that rose to that position. He died in 1960 at the age of 72. He died from the wound he suffered during the Civil Wars 50 years previous. He bore the scars that he endured in his youth throughout his life. He received all kinds of accolades all kinds of awards during the course of his life. For the rest of his life, he was treated with incredible respect because of what he did as a young man. What did he do? He stepped out. He made himself available. He responded to a challenge. He had these instincts. I want to do something. I want to make a difference. And he wasn't satisfied with his first assignment. He was given command at the age of 16, but he recruited his own battalion, led them into battle. Are you willing to make yourself available at this altar? Are you willing to start taking some risks? Are you willing to start doing what men and women should be doing? Who will be first? I want you to bow your heads with Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.